Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee, doing this a little differently today. Some of you are going to see actual video on YouTube of myself and my co-host today, Joey Dwyer. Joey joins us on the guest line that's sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Of course, our podcast, part of the 440 Sports Network. Anyway, Joey, uh, there's never an off-season at Vandy Sports anymore, as you're coming to find out. And our hot topic is we get into July. We're doing this on the 3rd is the MLB draft. And we've got a lot of topics to cover. We've also got the transfer portal. And let's start there. You had a good story on Sawyer Hawks, the right-handed pitcher who committed to Vanderbilt from Air Force. Also, uh, Jaden Davis, who transferred from Sanford. That happened over the weekend, a, a big bat that they need. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. And let's just start with Sawyer Hawks, who closed at Air Force and I would presume would plug right into the back end of the Vanderbilt bullpen. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to do it on video. I think we've had this in mind for a while, but finally started it out. Uh, good time to start it. Uh, a lot of action for baseball, as you'd expect at this point in the year. But uh, what I hadn't expected at Vanderbilt would be this active in the portal. It's landed two guys, Sawyer Hawks and Jaden Davis. We'll go with Hawks first. Um, talked to him a few weeks ago. Uh, after Vanderbilt added him, uh, he's a closer who has a fastball and a curveball primarily, but is working on uh, changeup. He's holding me in the Cape, and in the Cape, he's been really solid. Uh, pitched six innings, and he only gave up one run, three hits. So has he, has had a good summer. Had eight close or eight saves at Air Force this year. Two point eight four ERA. Um, that fastball is going to sit in the low nineties. Curveball is going to sit in the low seventies. The changeup that he's working on was probably sitting in the low 80s um, from what I've seen. So I think it's a nice guy who, uh, if they lose some guys that maybe we expect them to lose in the MLB draft, will be helpful. I don't know if he's going to be their closer. Depends on what happens in the draft, I assume. But uh, I think he'll be definitely a high leverage bullpen guy right away for them. Try and remember his story. Where did he go to high school? Um, I'm not 100% sure. Air Force, though, I think is a place where um, it's interesting to take a transfer from there because I guess baseball is not really their only focus. So, a guy like Skeeds got a lot better when he left Air Force. And I think. Oh, I knew it's Lakeland, Florida. I'm sorry. I, I, I was like, I know where this kid's from. I just can't think of it. So, there you go. So, yeah, he was a kid. I mean, like, Air Force is not going to have a lot of kids that are super highly regarded prospects, but they have. Had a nice little recent history of developing pitchers. Of course, Paul Skeens, the guy that was on Vandy's radar a year ago, who just won a lot of National Player of the Year awards. And, of course, now he is going to go very, very high in, in the coming MLB draft, which we'll get to in a minute. But, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see where he slots in. I think the bats are where everybody was was looking for them to add someone. And the Davis commit, that's one that had been on my radar for a couple of days Happened pretty quickly. Uh, he jumped in the portal, and I, I think it came down to them in Mississippi State. Uh, I don't think he stole any bases last year, but he was a middle infielder at a Sanford program that it really 
has had an eye for finding talent. He played at Cookville High School, I believe it was. And that's one, I think he had a 453 on base percentage. And I believe he won the SOCON Freshman of the Year honors. That That's one that I think will probably start in the slot in the starting lineup and help them quickly. Yeah, and the bigger question to me rather than whether he starts is where he starts in the order. He'll probably play second base. Yeah. Gives him some flexibility, but the guy who hits 358 normally you would think would be in the conversation for their leadoff guy, but he didn't steal a whole lot of bases, and I think he's got more power than the nine homers would indicate. I think ball jumped off his bat a little bit more than I was expecting uh, seeing those homer clips. So I think he's a guy who could add a lot for them. Uh, had a higher walk rate than a strikeout rate, which is good for a leadoff guy as well. Um, so I think he'll be in the mix there. Uh, also going to be interested to see kind of how that power develops um, and how he adjusts to the Power 5 level, uh, hit 2.2 in a few games against Power 5 opponents, but was also an NCAA tournament guy, um, hit a little bit better in the NCAA tournament, he hit 286 uh, with a double. So uh, there's definitely room here uh, for him to maybe not have a 358 average, but even if you get a little less than that or 70% of that, you're in pretty good shape if you're Vanderbilt. Yeah, of course, Chase Burns is the one that everybody's watching at this point. Uh, we're doing this Monday afternoon, and I, I still – the consensus of people I talk to seems to be that they're the team to beat. I don't think Chase Burns, though – I mean, I'll probably look like an idiot for saying this, but I, I don't think that uh, – I'm not – I'll put it this way. I'm not sitting here hitting F5 on my keyboard to see if news with Burns is broken. This could take a little bit. Yeah, I'm not sure something's imminent either, but I do think Vanderbilt's certainly more in the mix than you would think if you go on Twitter and see TCU, yeah. TCU, I think Vanderbilt's in the mix here, and for good reason, he was a Vanderbilt fan growing up, and I think uh, that would probably vault them into one of, if not the best, rotation in the SEC with him, Holton, yeah. and Devin Futrell, and then have a midweek starter who's pitched SEC games before, uh, pretty solid grouping there, and I think Burns would have every opportunity to start uh, if he would went to Vanderbilt. Yeah, I, I would probably call them the favorite at this point. Uh, let's talk MLB draft, Joey. It's it's always interesting when Vanderbilt's involved. Last year was a little bit of a disaster for them. I think they had, what was it, six guys go. That wasn't necessarily uh, the number of guys I think they expected to lose, but drafts are, are funny things. Sometimes you get a guy through that you're not expecting. More often than not, you get an unpleasant surprise. And it's going to be no different this year. You're going to have a couple of Commodores who could go in the first round. You're going to have a bunch of high school kids who could get drafted. I guess let's start with the current players. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we've got a, a ticker across the bottom where I think we've listed just about everybody. J.D. Rogers, I'm not sure if he's draft eligible or not, but he's not really played. Um, we've even got Michael Doolin on there who hasn't pitched in three years. I doubt he's going to get drafted, but we're trying to cover our bases. But in any case, I think the big ones, uh, you're going to see Enrique Bradfield Jr. off the board in the first round. I'm, I'm fairly confident, probably right in the middle of that. I've seen him 13-ish, 18-ish, depending on where you look. And Hunter Owens, another one that I think could slide into the late first round of the supplemental. It only takes one team. You know, the health has been an issue for two years, 
and his freshman season, the control wasn't there. But when Hunter Owen pitched the last two years, he was really good. So I think we could see two first-rounders there. Really looking forward to seeing Bradfield in a big league uniform. Um, he admitted after the season he wasn't healthy all year. So I don't know how much teams factor that in uh, for good or bad. To, to me, that's a good thing because unless it's something that's chronic and lingering – the suggestion would be that you'll get a better player than you saw last year. I think he could play gold glove caliber defense pretty much right away uh, for an MLB team, and, and and he'll hit some too. And, you know, didn't run as much last year. Again, I would attribute that to injuries. But those are kind of the two that I'm I'm watching. Bradfield, I'm, I think, will be a first-rounder, and we'll see with Owen. Yeah, Hunter Owen's definitely a name that's positively trended throughout this process, seems like, at the combine. He was a name that came up a lot uh, positively. Nick Maldonado is also a guy you watch and assume is probably going to go. Patrick Riley was ranked 219th by MLB Pipeline. Uh, I'm really interested to see what happens with Thomas Schultz. Um, I don't know the draft positioning there. Super Bowl, you probably have a better idea of that, but I think that determines a lot of Sawyer Hawks' role when he gets to Vanderbilt. Can Thomas Schultz be that closer, leading guy? Or is he gone and just sort of Hawks have to step into that role? Uh, really interested to see what happens, but I think you'll probably have a little bit of a better idea with all the draft stuff. Yeah, I think other guys that, that should get picked, uh, Maldonado, I would I would be very surprised if he's not picked. Uh, Shrek wasn't picked a year ago for whatever reason. I, I just think he's too good not to get drafted but we'll see certainly would get a free agent contract somewhere Patrick Riley uh, just on stuff alone I think will get taken you know he was a kid that a year ago was um, you know first round in a lot of mock drafts so I think those things are kind of silly a year out uh, I think a lot of times that the guys doing them maybe don't watch these guys up close and personal and just go on stuff and scouting buzz. Been, you know, Riley's a first rounder to me was always going to be a reach unless he found his control. That didn't happen, but he did pitch well in a couple of spots out of the bullpen. There's always an organization or two that'll believe that they can fix those things and, and take a shot. And Grayson Moore, another one that I've seen, you know, at different times, top three or four rounds. Of course, he missed a lot of this year, I guess, with a health issue from what I remember. Those are guys, I mean, Schultz is one you mentioned. Bulger was a kid that they felt fortunate to get through the draft three years ago. His stock fell a lot. I don't know if anybody thinks they can redeem the bat or if he'll be back. I don't know. And you see a couple other guys, Sam Laboki being another one. Um, I could see a, a team throwing a senior sign at him. For, for a discount, that, that might be something you look at too. But, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of guys, like, and, and sometimes you, like I didn't have Javier Vaz on the radar to get drafted a year ago, but he did. Um, and so you may look at the ticker and say, hey, some of those guys won't get drafted. Well, didn't think he would be a year ago. There wasn't much buzz about it. Um, I think if you play at Vandy, you're going to get looked at by scouts. And so there's a lot of guys. I, I don't have a great feel after the first couple of guys, but uh, you could see several current players drafted, and who knows, maybe you could get a get a surprise or two coming back. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you probably have a top four or five that you would guess is probably gone of Bradfield, Hunter Owen. Obviously, R.J. Shrek's gone. I think he'll probably um, get drafted at some point. Like you said, too good not to. Had a really solid year at Vanderbilt. Um, Nick Maldonado's probably gone. Beyond that, 
I think there's a lot of questions. Patrick Riley uh, is a question, but I think he's probably going to get drafted. Thomas Schultz, uh, I don't really have a great feel on. Uh, Grayson Moore, like you said. A lot of interesting names uh, kind of on the fringe this year. So it'll be interesting next week when we do the show, kind of see where that all lands. Now we get to the high schoolers. Um, Max Clark has been a projected top five pick for a while. It may be the best prep player, best hitter ever in the state of Indiana, regarded as such. I mean, I, I guess it could always happen, but don't, don't get your hopes up there. Uh, I think everybody would expect Max Clark to be gone. And then you got maybe three other guys that are getting some first-round considerations George Lombard out of your hometown of Atlanta. Um, I've seen him mock to the Braves recently. The Braves like to draft a lot of local high school talent. Uh, so I, I don't think I've heard a lot of buzz about Lombard coming to Vandy. Uh, I would presume that's another one that's probably gone. Uh, and, and to be clear, I haven't dug in on all these kids, but I have done a little bit of research. I think the two to watch are Thomas White and – the Clemmy kid, both pitchers, um, and I think they're going to be they're going to be tough to get through the draft. I've heard various things on White and Clemmy, and particularly White. There was some optimism a couple of weeks ago that that they might get him through the draft. It seems to be maybe waning a little bit, but I mean stuff can change. So those are probably the four kids. Braden Holcomb would be another one, although I think I've seen him higher on Perfect Game than I've seen him. Uh, Baseball America, I think, had him number 192. But I would say those first four are the guys that you could see taken in the first round if, if things don't go Vanderbilt's way. Yeah, and I assume they're probably going to lose a good amount as every year, especially with those guys. Max Clark reminds me even a little bit of the Drew Jones situation where kind of from day one you don't think you're getting him back. And uh, there's a few other guys that seem to – be itching up the boards a little bit as well that they're probably not getting back. You'd have better ins- insight on this than I would, but it seems like they'll lose a few guys for sure. Yeah, mine doesn't go as deep as it has in, in normal years. One of the last pods we did, everybody knows my time on this is a little more limited. Uh, if things go well this time next year, you're going to be helping me out full time and uh, doing a lot of this yourself, uh, which I'll be helping you with too. But in any case, yeah, um, I think the next tier names I'm looking at, we, we mentioned Holcomb, who's a high school lefty, Ethan McIlvain, Chris's brother from from my neck of the woods here locally in Franklin, um, the Kozeel kid, who's, who's a really, really good hitter, I think could help them next year. That's kind of one to watch. Then you got R.J. Hamilton and a lot of other guys. The, the Austin Fort kid is another one uh, that's interesting. He was a South Dakota kid. And then transferred to high school, I think, in the Miami area. That's one that's gotten a lot of talk. I don't see him on a lot of draft radar, but all it takes is one team. So I don't know what you think about that next group of guys. We're, we're leaving some out here too, but um, the, you know the, the, their list of guys who could get drafted is, as usual is quite lengthy. Yeah, I want to talk about Austin Ford in particular. I think every time I go on Twitter, I see a clip from a summer ball team of him hitting a homer. I think he could really help them if he gets to campus. Maybe not immediately, but uh, there's room to go at first base with Parker Nolan going out the door. Maybe Maldonado plays first. Uh, it's been talked about a bit, but um, there's going to be reps to be had there, and I think they're going to try to get the best couple bats in the lineup. And uh, 
he's looking like he's closer to that than maybe we thought uh, originally. So I think that's a that's one to look for. Uh, like you said, though, I haven't really seen him on draft radar, so that'll be one that I'm particularly interested to follow uh, as we move forward. Yeah, and another note, uh, some people know this, some people don't. They, they picked up a late commit last week in Miller Green from Lipscomb Academy, who is another pitcher who I think could be a good college pitcher. I don't know where the scouts are with him being drafted. I think he's low 90s. He was a kid who was committed to Georgia Tech until Tech made a, a pitching coach change. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll probably do a recap after the draft of all these kids. It's just I've learned through years of doing this, it is such a crapshoot. Uh, sometimes you think you know. Uh, last year they felt pretty good about their chances of getting a couple of guys through the draft, and then you see those guys go in the top 100 picks, and you're like, well, there goes that. And so uh, I, I try to always – temper into anything I say with with that because when, when it comes to the draft all it takes is one organization to pay a kid above what he was expecting and and everything you thought can sometimes go out the window right that's a very hard thing to source and I think that might be yeah. a little above our heads at this point in the week yeah yeah, and we'll we'll probably have some stuff on the board as we get closer to the draft, and, and I ask around a little bit. Again, time for me has just been really scarce lately. Um, last topic, Joey, Chase Burns. Transfer portal kid, I think everybody that's listening or watching knows who Chase Burns is. He started this year as Tennessee's Friday night ace. Uh, had control troubles. It just did not go for well. For him, uh, I think he had a 13 ERA in, in SEC play. When Vandy came to town, they threw him in relief. He pitched well. That seemed to kind of turn his season around. was a bulk relief outing. They kept him in the bullpen. Uh, that may have caused some tension between he and Frank Anderson and Tony Vitello. There was Rumor was in Knoxville, I heard this before the season ended, he was going to hit the portal. A lot of people thought he'd be heading to LSU. Uh, he remains uncommitted as we speak, but Chase Burns, an elite talent. I think he had 101, 102 on the gun, something like that, or maybe it was 100 even, but he was throwing really hard and was throwing strikes again at season's end. Tennessee does not get probably to the College World Series without him. He started to pitch like everybody had expected. Of course, two years ago, Chase Burns was a freshman All-American that's the one that, again, that we're, we're watching. I, I don't think that that's going to drop anytime soon. But uh, th- that's the next thing. I, and I think if they can land Chase Burns, and I think they got a good shot, um, I don't know, that's, that's, you could probably pencil them in as another top five team. I know people will say the bats, but uh, and, and that may be a question. I think they probably need another bat or two, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if they get them. I don't have any intel on that at the moment. But I know they've been pursuing several in the portal pretty hard. But with or without the bats, Chase Burns would, I think, make this a top-five preseason team. That would be a heck of a rotation, and I would assume Burns would get the chance to start rather than being a bullpen piece. I don't know if he would go to a school where he would be a bullpen piece, but I was there that Friday night in Knoxville. And uh, you definitely see why uh, Vanderbilt and TCU and all these other schools uh, are in the mix for him. It's a guy who has electric stuff, first round type stuff, Friday night type stuff. Um, and pairing that with Carter Holton and Devin Futrell uh, in a weekend rotation would be unbelievable. Would put Vanderbilt at one of the best in the country, you would think. And uh, talked about him a bit, but it's hard to overstate how big of an addition this would be for Vanderbilt. Um, 
whatever role he's in. Worst role you can have for him is probably um, a high leverage dominant guy. If if all goes to crap, he can't throw strikes again. You have a high leverage dominant guy, and best case scenario, you have a Friday night type starter who goes first round next year. So Chase Burns is a huge recruitment for Vanderbilt. I'm not ready to say that they get him or don't get him yet. I think uh, it's still pretty fluid, uh, especially in this era of college sports. But um, them being in the mix says a lot um, about how strong that brand still is, even in this era of NIL and everything of that sort. Uh, getting him would take that talk to the next level. And also, Chris, I have some summer ball updates before we get off. I knew I was forgetting something, and, and I, I know we hit on Burns earlier. And by the way, this this time next year, if everything goes well for Chase Burns, he's going to be uh, probably not, not just a first-rounder, but probably a top half of the first-rounder, maybe top third of the first-round guy. So, yeah, that, that that's going to be very interesting to watch. And, and as I've told people for a while, uh, they are not as disconnected from the idea of using the portal to – Fill needs as as people perceive, and I think you're you're seeing that now. Burns would be the third, and who knows there there could be a fourth or fifth by the time this is done. But yeah, summer ball updates. Let's get to those, Joey. Perfect. So we'll go first. Carter Holton, the guy we talked about on the board a lot, uh, seems to be back to full health. Um, has thrown about five innings uh, with Team USA. I don't think he's given up a run. Uh, he's given up one hit, struck out a few batters, uh, only two walks. The velocity's back up. Uh, he's coming out of the bullpen a little bit, but is still out there for a few innings, uh, sitting back at his normal velocity, like I said, six strikeouts. So I think that's probably maybe the most noteworthy thing we've seen this summer in terms of on-the-field stuff from Vanderbilt players, Carter Holton being back to form, and you've heard uh, positive things about his health as well. R.J. Austin is also a guy who I think um, has shown us some significant things, not in terms of stats, which the stats have been pretty solid, 364 average before last night. Four RBIs, eight walks, five strikeouts, and a homer. Uh, but also in terms of where he's playing, um, when they got Jaden Davis, brought up a lot of talk that R.J. Austin would move to the outfield, uh, particularly center field. Um, and R.J. Austin has played a lot of left field um, in the Cape. I don't think he's played center field yet, but he's played left field, second base, and he's DH. So it will be interesting to see kind of where they move him. I don't know that this means everything, but it's nice to see him at least getting reps in the outfield, uh, whether that it would be in left field long-term or center field. That's yet to be seen, but good to see him getting outfield reps and hitting the ball like we thought he could. Uh, Sawyer Hawks is my third uh, that I was going to give an update on. I think every week we'll do three. Um, and since we talked about Sawyer Hawks already, I think it'd be fitting. 6.2 innings. Uh, it's been three games, given up one run, five hits, and he struck out 10. Uh, I don't know the walk numbers, but Sawyer Hawks has been pretty good and uh, was pitching. I think the day before and the day after his Vanderbilt commitment. So right in the mix of that was uh, his commitment date, and he's certainly proven that he's worthy of playing in a school like Vanderbilt this summer. Yeah, and that, they got guys playing all over. Didn't have time to get into all that today. But, Joey, it's going to be a, a fun week. Uh, buckle up. Uh, it just the twists and turns, and it, it doesn't end after the draft because then these guys got a sign. And occasionally, and this happened with Florida last year, Brandon Sprout got picked third round but did not wind up signing florida seems to get awfully fortunate with these that happened with judd fabian too he got drafted top hundred maybe even first round didn't like the money came back <laughs> didn't improve his stock i don't think that Sprout really did either but uh occasionally you do see some teams that that get a guy that's drafted high back but that's 
99% of the time when you get picked in the top 10 rounds or so, 98%, you're going pro. So usually where you get picked is a good indicator. Uh, you know, the top top 10 rounds or even that 11th or 12th, is those are important because teams will do some overnight digging. Um, they'll call a guy and say, hey, if we take in the 11th or 12th round and we offer you X amount of money, are you open to signing? So those are really the ones to watch. I mean, really, you only get 20 picks now. You used to get 40, and before that it was even unlimited. But if you get drafted, you're, you're kind of a risk to go, but especially – uh, those those first 12, 13 rounds um, are the places where once you get picked, again, 99% of the time, it seems like th- those guys are gone. And Vanderbilt hadn't had a lot of luck. I think the last guy, Jason DeLay was maybe the last guy that they got through uh, that got picked. I think somewhere in that range, I think I want to say by Baltimore. Um, he didn't go through, ended up going back, coming to Vanderbilt, having a pretty good year, and got picked by the Pirates, I believe, who he is – played for at times this year so in any case yeah going to be interesting we'll, we'll probably have a recap next week after the draft uh and go through some things and, and let people know how it shook out but uh looking forward to, to seeing how it goes between now and then yeah for sure and jason delay is on my fantasy team so yes he has <laughs> a few times this year um before we get off, it would be uncharacteristic of me to not mention something basketball-wise. I'll be watching Tyler Tanner, Vanderbilt Target, play at 6 in Peace Gym today uh, on the computer. So uh, that's my basketball word, and uh, we're out of here. And we'll we'll do a basketball update a little bit later in the summer. We're going to get through the draft. We're probably going to do one of these every week or, or maybe two weeks till about the time fall camp starts, which there's – only a few weeks left in July. So, but by the time we hit the camp is going to start the last week of July because they played that early game in August. So, just to update folks, we'll, we'll try to do something maybe once a week as things happen in, in whatever sport. Certainly, there'll be another draft podcast. And um, that's probably going to be it. And hopefully, once we get to. Uh, August, uh, we're going we're gonna to pick these back up again and start having a few a week. That's that's going to be based on funding, which we're still working on, but um, hoping to get there. So, Joey, thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward to catching you again whenever we do this next. Yep, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, VandySports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.